that thou will guide us and lead us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. There's a wonderful, I think, natural progression and even connection of thought between the first three petitions that are then the Lord's Prayer and that first one that we thought of just a few weeks ago. It's all about the glory of God. Everything is about the glory of God. The very heavens declare the glory of God. So when we're praying, we're praying for the glory of God, that God's name will be hallowed above all others. We're also praying for his kingdom. Thy kingdom come. And we thought about that extensively, about the coming of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ into hearts and into lives. And now we come to the third petition today, and that's the first section of the Lord's Prayer that we've covered. And this is to do with the will of God. So we have the glory of God, we have the kingdom of God, and we have also now in this third petition the will of the Lord. The glory of God is paramount to the child of God because it's paramount to God himself. We're to do all things to the glory of God. I love that verse in 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Around the dinner table at home today, do it all to the glory of God. In the afternoon, do it all to the glory of God. Wherever you go this week, do it all to the glory of God. Whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it all to the glory of God. And the means whereby God is glorified is found thereby in the second petition. Because God is honoured and God is glorified in the coming of his kingdom. His kingdom of grace. When sinners repent, when they receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal saviour. When they experience salvation, as we have been talking about already this morning. There is naturally a corresponding desire for the will of God to be done in their lives. And I just have to say again today, the individual who professes salvation and who has no interest in doing the will of God has only a profession and nothing else. Because those who truly have experienced salvation will be those who have an earnest desire to know and to do the will of God in their lives. And I couldn't underscore that enough for you as a believer today. If you do not have a desire in your heart today to do the will of God in your life, there's something wrong with where you are with the Lord if you ever indeed have been with the Lord. It's our desire to see God glorified. God glorified in the coming of his kingdom even to this part here and on alone. And in lives thereafter that are yielded and given over to his cause and to his service. It's wonderful, frightening in many ways to see how people are yielded to the devil and to the devil's service. And the, the media can spin out any lie and people will believe it and will follow it. And they're yielded to it. But as Christians... God calls us to yield to the kingship of Christ and to his lordship. Personally, we, we can say that our own individual service for the, the, the Saviour makes it abundantly clear 
that we are yielded. Don't sing that wee chorus just glibly. He's my Lord, he's my Lord. He is risen from the dead and he's my Lord. If he really is your Lord, paramount in your life today will be the desire to do his will and to do his bidding. The Shorter Catechism once again has broken up this third petition in the following manner. Question and answer 103. In the third petition, which is, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we pray that God, by his grace, would make us both able and willing, both able and willing, to know, obey, and submit to his will in all things as the angels do in heaven. Let's go over that again. That God, by his grace, would make us both able and willing to know, to obey, and to submit to his will in all things. Those are all pivotal things. We're going to come to them in our studies in this third petition. But it's one thing to know the will of God. It's another thing to obey the will of God. And it's quite another thing to submit in all things to the will of God. It's like telling your, your, your child to do something in the house. They know that they ought to do it, but they refuse to do it. And there are many Christians just like that. We have the will of God revealed to us in his law and his commandments, but they refuse to obey it and they refuse to do it. So there's one thing in knowing the will of God, but there's another thing in obeying the will of God and in submitting our lives to the will of God. So the point that is rightly emphasized in this whole uh, third petition is that as his children, we ought to be brought to the place where we desire his glory, where we are part of his kingdom and where we submit to do his will and to do his bidding. And it's all summarized just, I think, in that word submission. Submission. Are you submitted today to the will of God? Are you really submitted today to the will of God for your life? So the first thing we need to ask about this petition, and I think we're only just going to get through the introduction today. So the first thing that we asked about this petition is, what do, we, what do we really mean about the will of God? When we talk about the will of God, what do we really mean about it? Now, you might think, oh, well, that's to do with where the Lord wants me to work or where the Lord wants me to live, maybe even who the Lord wants me to marry. All of those things, those are all very important questions, of course. But it's much more embracive than just our needs. There are two aspects to the will of God. Theologians have called it God's secret will and God's revealed will. His secret will or his decretive will. What he has decreed in the great decrees from eternity past. And that's secret. Who knows the mind of God but God alone? So the secret will or the decretive will of God is known to God alone. And then we have his revealed will or his preceptive will. How we perceive what God has revealed to us about his will. And that's another and totally a, a total different dimension to it. So this first aspect of the will of God, his secret will, is vitally important. It's important that you and I know that God has a plan for your life and my life and we don't know about it. I could go further than that and I could say, God has our life already planned out for us. And we don't know about it. You might think, why am I here today? 
Well, you're here today because God planted. It's all part of his great eternal decree. It's part of his decretive will. He has planted, therefore it has come to pass. So the final determination in the events of all things has to do with God's secret or God's decretive will. Now there are many verses and I want to turn up some of them with you today. And that's why we'll just take our time in this introductory part. Because I think it's important that we get, as I said last week, all of the New Testament is embedded in the Old Testament. You just can't root out the New Testament and, and divorce it from the Old Testament because then you just destroy the Word of God. So go back with me to some uh, scriptures that we, we find in the Old Testament. Go back to Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46. And we're going to read together verse 9 and verse 10. Isaiah 46 verse 9 and 10. Just take your time to find the places. Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. So the prophet said, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there's none else. I am God and there's none like me. And this is what God does. Declaring the end from the beginning. Isn't that, now think on that statement. You and I can't declare the end when we haven't even started the thing. But God says, I can declare the end from the beginning. From the, from the very beginning of all, God had an end in view. And he had the means to get to the end in view. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. Saying, the, the things that are not yet done, God says, I have declared them. I, I bring them all to pass. Saying, my counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. It's one of the most amazing verses I think in all of the word of God. God is able to declare from the beginning right to the end. The things that are not. He, he knows the end of them. The things that even haven't come to pass. He knows the, the end result of them. This is the final determination. The secret will of God. And your life and my life is all wrapped up in that. This secret or decretive will, meaning what he has planned, what he has decreed, is seen in various, uh, in various aspects. It's seen, I think, first of all, in creation. Where, where do we see the, the secret will of God, the decretive will of God? Well, we do see it in creation. Turn over to the New Testament scriptures, to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. Here we get a glimpse of what a worship service in heaven must be like. Verse 10 tells us the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, We're worthy. We're really good. We have done so well. Oh, no, no, that, they're not saying that in heaven. They're saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. 
for thy pleasure. God created everything for his pleasure. They were and are created. God didn't need to create anything. But that was for his glory, for his pleasure. They are and were created. God's will is seen in creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. It's also seen, this God's outworking of his secret decretive will, it is seen in providence. So providence is God's ordering of all things so that his decretive will is fulfilled. So God has a providential purpose. And God in providence orders all things so that his will is brought to fruition and completion. Now, there's some scriptures in the Old Testament I want you to go to. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 35. Daniel 4 and verse 35. Remember this is Nebuchadnezzar. Remember how he was so... How he was so puffed up, he was so vain in his own thoughts, his own imaginations. But God brought him low and he became like a beast of the field. But when his understanding returned to him again, <clears throat> what happened? We read verse 34, at the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding returned unto me. We'll never get understanding unless our eyes are toward heaven. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honoured him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. This year we're, we're, we're celebrating the, the platinum jubilee of our own queen, and we all think that's an amazing thing, and it is an amazing thing that anyone could reign for some 70 years Oh, 70 years to God must be as nothing. His kingdom is unending. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. The army of heaven are his angels. Mr. Douglas was reminding us about the angels here last week. And there's legions of angels in heaven. And they're doing the will of God. And they're at his command. And among the inhabitants of the earth, none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? God and providence is ordering everything for the glory of his own name and the fulfillment of his own will. But there's also, this is also seen in, in the kingdom of grace. If you go back again to the New Testament, to the book of Romans, Romans 9. I'm giving you time to look them all up because I have them all marked. So I'll give you time to look them up. Romans 9 and verse 15. Oh, here's a very humbling portion of scripture for proud individuals who, who, who think that they can do what they want, when they want, with the Lord. They will come to the Lord in their time, in their way, but you'll not. Because in Romans nine fifteen it says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. 
God's secret will is revealed in the choice of grace. We bow before a sovereign God today. He alone can show mercy. It's a common expression, I think, among some Christians that they say they can understand the will of God by reading providence. And certain things happen to them and they say, oh well, I just know that's not the will of God because in providence God directed me a different way. Well, I, I would say to you today that we can read providence but only in a very limited way. The secret will of God, the, the decretive will of God is unknown by men until it is revealed by prophecies of things to come as they transpire. And we have to confess, don't we, that very often there are providential dealings that happen to us and they're way beyond our understanding. Why, why Lord, did that happen? Why was that loved one taken when he was so, or when she was so needed? Why did I lose my job? Why was I not promoted? All of these questions and hundreds of others defeat us time and time again. Events and circumstances overtake us and we ask the question time and time again, why? Why, Lord? But you know, instead of asking the question why, we would be better asking what? What? What is God trying to teach us? Through these trying providential circumstances. If he alone knows the end. Because he has decreed the beginning and the end. He knows exactly where you are today. In your tough place. In your hard place today. He knows where you are. He decreed the start of it. He has decreed the end of it. The question is not really why Lord you have brought me to the place that I am today. The question really is what are you trying to teach me Lord where I am today. And this third petition, it brings us just to the place where we as Christians ought to be. Thy will be done. We don't understand it, Lord, but thy will be done. Now, there are various ways you can submit to God's providential dealings and that sacred decree that's unknown to us. You can do it resentfully. Uh, and oftentimes I think that's just how we do the will of God, kicking and screaming. You can do it reservedly. Or you can do it in a resigning, trustful manner. Can you trust God today? Can you? Turn with me just for a, a, in closing to a few scriptures to the book of Job. Some great illustrations here in the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 21, of all of the men. <clears throat> Job was a man tried above all others. He lost everything virtually in one day. And in Job 1, 21, he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He wasn't asking why. He was just resigned to where God had him. Go down, please, to chapter 2 and verse 10. Job's answering his wife and, and he said to her, 
<coughs> what shall we receive good at the hand of God and <coughs> shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. It's easy to become bitter and resentful. You can become bitter and resentful at people. You can become bitter and resentful at circumstances. You can become bitter and resentful even with God. But that will not bring you to the place of submission. We need to be submitted. Job was submitted. There's a New Testament illustration. We'll close with this one. Acts chapter 21 and verse 14. Here was Paul. He was going up to Jerusalem. He knew he would be uh, (coughs) imprisoned there. Verse 13. He said, I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 21, 14. And what did the Christians say when they heard that? And when we would not be, and when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. Job, Paul, the the brave, the very spirit of the Lord Jesus on that night in which he was betrayed in Gethsemane, (coughs) he said, thy will be done. And brethren and sisters, we need to submit, even though we don't understand what's going on round about us. I don't know the secret decretive will of God. I don't know the bigger plan that God has for my life. But as we submit to that bigger plan and to the will of God for our life, we know that the scripture teaches us whatsoever the Lord does is right. We know that God is a good God. And what the Lord does is for the good of his people, even though it causes pain and grief at times. And as we submit, it brings grace and strength to our souls, peace and knowing. God's in control. I'm not in control, but God's in control. He's in control of where you are on the journey at this particular point. God's in control of it. We... we, Sang very deliberately today from Psalm 18 and verse 30. Teaches us, as for God, his way is perfect. First time I ever heard that verse preached was at a funeral. Young man, only 17 years of age, killed in a tragic motorbike accident. I was to preach at the gravesite. There's a brethren preacher preached in the home. This was his text. His way is perfect. Even in death. Perfect. It brings peace in the storm. It gives us perseverance in the work of God. I think of old Eli when he heard the pronouncement of judgment upon his house. He'd lost his sons. He'd lost the family dynasty and the priesthood. 
But you know what he said when he'd lost everything? He said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Maybe you're at that difficult place today and you're clambering up the hill of difficulty and you're really struggling and you're saying, why, Lord? I want to bring you to the place where you should be saying, what, Lord, are you trying to teach me through where I am today? What are you trying to say to me? As finite creatures, we can't see all of the implications of God's secret counsel or his eternal decrees. But we come today and we submit our lives afresh to him. Don't sing glibly, he is Lord, he is Lord. Sing it knowingly. He is Lord. He's in absolute control. He's Lord of all. He's Lord supreme. He knows every household that's stricken down today and on alone. He knows every individual that needs the Lord's touch. He knows your background. He has decreed the beginning and the end of this whole week that lies ahead of us. If that doesn't bring us peace and the assurance that we can persevere and go forward and onward with the Lord, regardless of what happens the rest of this day or the week ahead, we can say it is the Lord. Let him do that which seemeth him good. Let's unite our hearts in prayer, please. Our time is up. But let's just commit our way unto the Lord. Gracious God and loving Father, we are humbled today to think that God, who put all things into place just by the word of his power, also put into place a plan for our lives. He knew not only the beginning of it, but he planned the end of it. Lord, we can't see that plan. We don't know that plan. But we thank thee that we can trust God. We can trust God for whatever that plan holds for us. Bless us today, we do beseech thee. And bless every head bowed before thee. Every home that's represented in the gathering. Those that are clambering today. Like pilgrims up the hill of difficulty, give them grace today and grant them thy help. And may they, may they have perfect peace on the journey today, wherever they are. No matter the, the, the battles or the storms, even they might face this week, knowing that his way is perfect. We thank that you're a good God. We thank that you love your people. We thank that you're preparing us even weaning us from time, preparing us to take us home to heaven. Lord, we pray that our wills might be in total submission to thy will. We pray again these lovely words of the Lord Jesus. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Separate us now one from the other in thy fear. And with thy favour and be with us throughout the afternoon and in thy will bring us back again this evening. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.